Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Wesson Walker, Willie P. in for Walker. So you're uh, not doing narco anymore at 2 o'clock? Is that, is that a... That, that went oh, away? Oh, yeah, no, the, that... That's long gone? That went away, and then uh, Piano Man went away. Virtually, Walker got rid of anything that you liked. That's basically what happened. He came on here, and he was like, Hey, listen here, Fiddy, uh... I don't want to do any of the things that we did when when <laughs> Willie was in here. Mm-hmm. And if you do, I'm a. You say you're saying there's there was some Willie washing going on in here. Okay, that 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 leaves a lot to the imagination of what Willie washing is in fact what you're washing. Um, but yeah, no, we went away with it, and uh, well, right now I'm going through and importing all of Wes's music. Yeah, we had three straight Eminem joints just now. Remember early 2000s, that Superman? I'm, that big, was I'm a big fan of Eminem. Oh, yeah? You want to yeah, give Superman. us a line or two? I'm, I'm not going to do that on the air. That's Fiddy's theme song right there. He tell the women, I can't be your Superman. The last time I tried to do something embarrassing on this radio station, it basically made for fodder over the last week, and I'm trying to not embarrass myself here uh, on a Monday. What? <laughs> what? You're talking about your dance moves? What do you think I was talking yeah, about? Yeah, you. someone said you looked like you had four prosthetics all being pulled in different directions like a puppet. <laughs> I also don't want anybody who's sitting here and trying to blame the Panther loss on me because I had the audacity to say that I was uh, ready to come dance today if the Panthers did win. And uh, it was not me covering uh, uh, Deontay Johnson out there. I was definitely Keith Taylor. And so I uh, want to make sure that you guys knew that that wasn't me out there. Having said that, uh, we did have a pretty crazy week at the National Football League. Uh, let's go in reverse order, or at least in, in chronological order, because Saturday we had some very interesting games, uh, two very much particular on the bookends, the Vikings and the Colts. The Vikings get the biggest comeback in the history of the National Football League. I'm watching this. I'm sitting here. We're getting ready to go to the, the uh, Min City Gala on uh, Saturday. Uh-huh. And... Julianne went out to go. She had to get something at the at the at the pharmacy, and she grew up a Colts fan. And I said, "No, don't worry. They got a 33 nothing lead. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Go go ahead and get something." By the time she got back, it was like with two score game, and she's like, "Willie, is this gonna happen?" I'm like, "I don't know. I don't know." She yeah. goes up and takes a shower. She comes out. The game is tied. And I'm like, there's nothing that you could possibly do. When they were sitting here and you and I were sitting together on the couch, they were all right. But once she started out and got and doing stuff, she ended up uh, basically seeing the game fall by the wayside. That that has to be on Jeff Saturday, no? And more, more, more on him than it is on Matt Ryan? I mean, whether you want to put it on him or not, they have to take the blame for that. Something told me, though, I was sitting there, you know, doing ACC stuff, and I was watching, um, I saw the score come up, and something just told me the fact that it was so early that it was only halftime and they were down 33 nothing, which is still crazy. But I was like, man, I said, the Vikings are going to come back, watch. And then they did. So that was that game was just pure insanity. Uh, I definitely want to go back and watch an extended version because I remember the Buffalo 
Houston game. I watched that when I was a kid because that was the previous largest comeback. Mm -hmm. So that one was, you know, up history. A, a penny for Frank Reich's thoughts because he was the quarterback for the Bills in that game. Yeah. And of course, the uh, ex-head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I'd want to know. I'd want to be where Frank Reich was watching that result unfold, just to be like, <laughs> oh it, yeah. Just because you know, well, I, and I'm sure he'll probably say to you, well, you know, I still love those players, et cetera, right. and so on, because that's right. how coaches are, and that's right. how most as people are. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't take him to be a, a bitter Betty about those things. But if it was me in that situation, you best believe I'd be all petty. I'd be, I'd be so petty. I'd be oh, Richard. No doubt. Incredibly, uh, the Browns beating the Ravens 13 to three. That one was kind of in the late afternoon. Not a lot of scoring. Sean Watson. A touchdown late, and uh, J.J. Dobbins at 125 on the ground. The Bills over the Dolphins, 32-29. The snow? Snow game. Mm -hmm. More points in the snow than I thought we were ticketed for, Wes. Uh, Buffalo's one of those teams, though, man. They, they're used to it, and I don't know how often they practice outside in the snow, but Buffalo has always been a team. It doesn't matter how cold. It doesn't matter what the conditions are. They give it to you any way you want. I think that is one of the teams that take full advantage of one of their true advantages uh, of their franchise, and that is bringing teams up there, especially teams that are used to playing in the warm weather, like the Dolphins, and putting them in the cold and snow and being able to still play their brand of football. That is what the Bills did. It didn't matter if it was snow on the ground. Josh Allen still gave you three hundred and four tutties, and the Bills just got busy. And they ran the ball well, too, uh, which for them has always kind of been tough for them. But yeah, Buffalo just came up there and did what they were supposed to do uh, at home in the snow. Games in the division that were important. Desmond Ritter makes his first start for Atlanta, but falls short to the New Orleans Saints, 21-18. And then the Buccaneers blow a 17-point lead with Tom Brady at the helm. And the Bengals <laughs> come back and win 34-23. Joe Burrow with quite a performance against the Buccaneers with a 27-39, 200 yards, and four touchdowns. Real great to see for the Panthers because it keeps everything in front of them, like we said, sitting uh, with those three teams, New Orleans, Atlanta, and Carolina, all tied at 5-9, and nine, one game behind the Bucks. Does any team out of this group feel like it's a threat to doing anything in the opening week of the playoffs? No, not at all. All these teams in this division are so inconsistent. And the thing about the Bucks is that we always talk about it's all in how it looks. If the Bucks were explosive offensively and couldn't stop anybody defensively, that might be a little bit of a different story. But they just seem so inept on offense. It's just pure comedy, disappointment, whatever you want to say for the Buccaneers when they play offense. They just can't do much at all with some good players. Now, really good play. Plenty of offense in Jacksonville yesterday as the Jaguars get themselves a come from behind victory on the Dallas Cowboys 40 to 34. Dak Prescott is picked sixth by Rashawn Jenkins in the overtime session to break a 34-34 deadlock. Goldilocks throws for four touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Travis Etienne runs for 103. And all of a sudden right now, you have a Jacksonville team that's on the charge, winning three of their last four. And they're just one game out of a playoff spot behind Tennessee in the AFC South. Yeah, we talked about it, and these teams have been linked as they came into the league together. But they're on a similar chase this year in a division to where they've uh, gotten it together late and are chasing a division championship with the Tennessee Titans. Kinda, the wheels coming off of them down 
down the stretch. But we were saying that if this was a team, if Carolina was in Jacksonville's position, then I'd be all for them trying to make a playoff push because Jacksonville has their head coach of the future. They have their quarterback of the future. And Trevor Lawrence, one of my all-time favorite players in the history of college football and one of my favorite players now, he is finally starting to live up to the potential uh, that he had coming out because a lot of people were starting to say that he wasn't what many people thought he was going to be. But since week nine, 70% completion percentage, 14 passing touchdowns, one interception, a 111.2 passer rating, not to mention dealing with the receiving core that leads the NFL in drop passes. So uh, when they get Ridley and the crew next year, look out. But I was just saying, how does it look if this is the Panthers and they're in this situation? I'd be like, yeah, you want to paint the playoffs. You want to be able to do that. But they're not in that position. They don't have their head coach for the future. I know a lot of people want coach to get it, but he hasn't gotten it yet. And they don't have their quarterback of the future. And that's why I said I'm, I'm Jacksonville's more, playoff chase is a little bit more admirable in my eyes. I, I, I'm more on the situation when it comes to the quarterback because I do feel like, you know, that's something that is still not a cinch for the Panthers no matter where they finish. I mean, it, it's the, the, what, what, what has happened for them. They've already kind of made their bed. They're going to probably be in that, you know, six, seven, eight draft slot, no matter how the season ends, unless they win the division. And, you know, you win the division, you jump up in the in the rankings because you end up going ahead of all the non-playoff teams. But at the same time, like, while I know that there's a vast difference between those two positions from drafting in, I don't know if you're going to get a different kind of quarterback at 19 that you'd be able to get at eight. Like, I think they think they're all very much kind of crapshoots at this point. You just have to choose right at this point, in my opinion. Well, yeah, no doubt. And that's your opinion. And some people may share that. Like I said, I think the guys at the top are going to be quality NFL quarterbacks. I think Bryce uh, Bryce Young is definitely a franchise quarterback. C.J. Stroud, I would give him the benefit of the doubt. I think he's going to be a franchise quarterback as well. I, I'm um, just saying, I don't think they were even. I don't think they were getting those two guys. Is my point. Okay. I think I think what what they'd be able to get at nine is very similar to what they'd be able to get at 19. Is what I'm trying to say. Possibly. I'm, I'm not Possibly. saying because again, I'm not trying to argue against Bryce Young or yeah. or CJ yeah. Stroud. I'm no just doubt. saying those dudes weren't going to be available to the Panthers. Yeah. Those those dudes are going to the Texans. But may, but I was saying I did make the argument that. The better your position is in the draft, the better your draft capital if you want to go up and make a deal because everybody has a price. Like they said, I don't know that Houston would not trade out, but I don't know that, you know, that possibly they could. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like I might have said the same thing right there. Mm. But regardless, if you have a better, you know, draft position, you might be able to trade up and be able to get you a deal to get the guy you want. Two close calls for the Eagles and the Chiefs. The Chiefs go to overtime or are taken to overtime by the Texans and they get themselves a victory on McKinnon's overtime touchdown run and the Eagles edge out the Bears 25-20 a 68-yard throw from Jalen Hurst to A.J. Brown the difference there. Justin Fields rushed for 95 yards. Justin Fields has got, you know, he's been getting a lot more love as of late for people but they do not have the record to show for it in Chicago and the Eagles 
escape what would have been a very embarrassing loss in Chicago. Yeah, but he's a guy, you know, you see the numbers right there and the things that he's been able to do this season, and you feel like that he's starting to progress. progress. But he's a guy, Chicago needs to put the records of weapons around him. I mean, come on, he got sacked a ridiculous amount of times. Uh, also, like I said, his receiving core, nobody's going to look at this group and say that they scare anyone. So this is a kid that when you see the way that he's continuing to fight, continuing to battle, also tantalizing you with some of the things that he can do, you just know that once you put the requisite weapons around him and offensive line, the Bears will take off offensively in a major way. Now, well, you have to talk about the way that Patriot Raider game ended because I was watching that on the red zone when I got home and... I didn't see it happen 100% live, but what I did, I, I, I looked at the TV as I was finishing making dinner, and all I saw was that pileup with the Raider fans in the corner. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, something crazy must have happened because I knew that game was down in its final seconds. What in the world were the Patriots doing on that last play? And for a Bill Belichick team that always has his team prepared for every sort of scenario, they, they seem to never you know, beat themselves, I guess, in the Brady era, you could say, as far as just making bonehead mistakes and situational football. We know that's been Belichick's M.O. Well, that wasn't supposed to happen. Absolutely. Just absolutely. I don't even know if you could write up what happened at the end of that game. That wasn't supposed to happen. Uh, well, it really wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> He's like, yeah, we made a mistake yeah, made and a mistake. we lost made the game. Made a mistake. That's what the game. That's what he's going to say. Uh, the updated playoff uh, scenarios still has the entirety of the NFC East making the postseason. As of right now, the Washington Commanders have that half game because of their tie lead over the Seahawks and the Lions. Uh, the Packers and the Panthers are behind them, but are very much uh, needing their division to go their way in order to make things happen there inside the NFC. Both uh, the Vikings and Niners have clinched playoff berths. The Eagles having already clinched their division at 13-1. and In the AFC side, the Bills clinching their division and the Chiefs having clinched a playoff berth, both sitting at 11-3. and Bills have the uh, tiebreak over Kansas City based on head-to-head win percentage. Uh, the bottom of that AFC has the Chargers and Dolphins tied for the final playoff spot. Chargers have the tiebreaker based on the head-to-head win percentage. And right behind the Dolphins are the Patriots and Jets, both hitting at 7-7. Seven and seven. Patriots lead the Jets because they swept the Jets during the regular season. And Jacksonville, two back on that. And, of course, also one back in their division with Tennessee. Who do you think is, uh, outside of the hierarchy of these teams, outside of, like, the Bills and the Chiefs and the Eagles, who's the most dangerous team to you as we go throughout the uh, last portion of this season who you feel like can be a big threat in the postseason? Well, you already know what I'm going to say there. I've been saying it all year. I felt that my 49ers were special uh, this season, and I have not wavered from that, and I'm not fanboy just saying stuff to prove uh, has been in the pudding. The 49ers have made some deep runs over the last few years, and I just felt like there was something special about this team. Uh, the 49ers are anytime, any place type of team. It doesn't matter if they have to go on the road or playing at home. So the 49ers would be my choice uh, in the NFC, whether they were my team or not. When you look at the AFC, uh, you know, if you want to talk about the team, I think it's the Bengals right now. The Bengals are on fire. Uh, they play with a lot of confidence. Uh, under Joe Burrow, they've beaten the Chiefs in the postseason before. I don't think they'd be worried in the least about going to play the Bills. So I think it's the Bengals. 
plenty to get into uh, over the course of the rest of this program. We have to get back into what happened, though, on Sunday for the Panthers. And what did yesterday do for the Panthers' playoff hopes? It's Wes and Walker, Willie P. in for Walker, Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. Wesson Walker, Willie in for Walker. That's my all time favorite Eminem song right there. I can get down with this. Yeah, Big that's fan. My all-time favorite. I love Eminem when he's angry. All right, I can ad- I can identify with that. <laughs> I can identify with being angry around here. I don't know what 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 would constitute something that would get somebody angry around here, Wes. I don't know, man. Just hanging out with Fitty for a little while and him starting whoa, to talk whoa, trash whoa, about whoa. you. No, I'm just saying other people, not me, Fitty. You know what we have. Oh, okay. That's about you know to what say. We, have. we are birds of a feather. So, you know, but I guess people that misunderstand my dog might get a little bit upset. Oh, I don't think there's, a mis- I think there's a misunderstanding. I think he's just a <laughs> jerk. <laughs> I mean, I mean, at yeah, least you're saying this boy. stuff with me in the room because I think you thought I wasn't listening on Friday, mm-hmm. and I listened to roughly two hours of the show, and I mean, you were taking all of these ill-advised shots at me while I wasn't here. I mean, while I mean, you were, you know, destroying my clock, you weren't staying on the topic I tree. Actually, I actually stayed on the you topic know, tree was, to a T. There was just, just a just, lot of things going wrong because I wasn't here. You're just angry I didn't talk about the basketball in the campus quarter when Wes and I were having a very provocative discussion about bowl games. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that did kind of hurt because uh, everybody watched the CBS Sports Classic over the weekend. Every, I don't sure know every, how many every, people watched. Everybody did. You know, what random-ass bowl game was on at Saturday at 4.30 in the afternoon? Louisville, Cincinnati? West. Yeah, I came on in the morning at 11 o'clock. Yeah. How much of the bowl games did you actually watch this weekend? Uh, None besides the one that I had to do for the ACCD. And we hadn't dropped out of Twitter in a while. Sorry, Willie, but Wes and Walker, W-E-S-A-N-D-W-A-L-K-E-R. Hit us up. We're trying to get to 1,000 by the end of the week. We got a special prize. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, but we hadn't dropped the Twitter, maybe, so maybe, I had to make sure maybe we dropped Maybe a bottle that. of red wine. Yeah, maybe. Maybe a bottle of apothic wine or something like that. You got to, you know, figure out. Just get us to 1,000. Hit that follow button right now and all day, all night. I, I also wanted to also, I also wanted to make very, very clear, I, I was taking shots at you because I knew you were listening. That was part of the whole thing. Oh, okay. So, the, you know, it, it took me was not it? being in the room for you to finally man up and insult me. No, I do that plenty when you're in here also. I mean, you have gotten a lot better because I just frankly don't give you a choice. Because no. I don't stop. No, it's really... Can't stop, won't stop. F- Fitty's jerk housery knows no bounds. <laughs> now, yesterday was a very detrimental day for the Carolina Panthers playoff hopes, but not detrimental in the sense that... It completely eliminated them. In fact, they got the help they needed from the other two teams that they got the, uh, that they needed the help from, namely the Saints beating the Falcons in the division and the Bengals defeating and coming back from 17 down against the Buccaneers to keep everybody else, the rest of the pack, within one game of the Buccaneers. And now the Panther fans are still sitting here, and I think I'm in the group of people who's sitting here and saying they still have everything in front of them. My only question to you is, what did yesterday, from a game standpoint and the way the Panthers looked, 
due to their playoff hopes because with the four games left, you would have liked the Steeler game because then the, the Lions game served as your margin for error. But now with the loss to the Steelers, your margin for error is basically nil, and this turns into a must-win for the Panthers on Christmas Eve. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. And I said before that they needed to get this game because they were more than likely going to be playing a red-hot Detroit Lions team coming in here with an offense that can really put you behind the eight ball when you're a running team like the Panthers. But as far as just going to the playoffs, as I said earlier, if you had a, a team, and the Panthers do have some good young players, but if you had that young quarterback and and there was hope and, and, and things were looking up in that direction, you know, I would say, yeah, you know, the playoffs would be a great chance for guys to get experience and stuff like that. But I think now my train of thought is just to continue to better your draft positioning, whether you want to use those as bargain chips to trade up to get the guy that you want or if you're able to fall in a space to get a guy, you know, that you want. But I just think that, you know, as a 49er fan, if my team's going to be bad, I want them to be all the way bad. I want them to – I don't – I'm not interested in going to the playoffs just to show up and lose the first game. So when you look at this playoff bracket right now as it stands, you know, you more than likely get the Dallas Cowboys in here. Mm-hmm. And we know they lost yesterday – but we know how explosive they can be on offense. We know what they represent on defense as far as Micah Parsons and the crew. How, ins- they come- how insufferable is Fitty going to be if you have a Cowboys-Panthers playoff game at Bank of America? Stadium? He would be. And that's the thing. It's like, what if Dallas comes in here and beats you 34-7 to or we'd something never, like we'd, that? We'd never hear the end of it. Yeah, but it's like, what did you really get out of going to the playoffs if you get that besides the fact of just saying that you win? I understand having the extra round kind of devalues the quote-unquote playoff berth, but I do feel like there is something to be gained Mm -hmm. by the Panthers going to the playoffs, namely for this young roster. How many times have we looked towards the Panthers roster and wondered where leadership was going to come from, from a guy who has been through you know, tough games like playoff games and, mm-hmm. and things of that nature. The Panthers do not have that. They, the only guy who really has, you know, playoff experience outside of a guy like J.J. Jansen, of course, is like Shaq Thompson. Like, that's the one guy you look at and say that he's that kind of a uh, that kind of a player. But unfortunately, when he was on the 2015 Panthers, he was a role player. He wasn't, you know, sitting there and very much deep in those type of games as somebody who has that type of experience. So in my mind, Wes... While I do feel like it does complicate the quarterback question more, I think a playoff could do worlds of good for the Carolina Panthers, not only just for the players, but also for this fan base. I think too much of this fan base has felt somewhat disconsolate by the up-down nature of the way this season has gone. There have been days where we felt like we were world beaters. There's days when we felt like that we couldn't beat anybody in the National Football League. And just the fact that you were able to get something of positive significance out of not only a head coach who cares deeply about this squad, but also a group of rostered players that it's not like you can cut the entire half of the roster out. You're going to be stuck with this lot of players for a very long time because a lot of them are young and a lot of them are under team control and you don't necessarily jettison those guys freely. I do feel like that gives you something to build off of when you do eventually make that quarterback decision going into next year, whether it's in the draft or somewhere else in the offseason. That's a fair point because especially looking at this division, you don't see anybody that's far and away ahead of anybody as far as how 
their future looks. Tampa more than likely will lose Tom Brady after this season, and we all think that they're going to go down. Well, not everybody, but I know that I can say the future does not look bright for them unless they're able to make some moves. The Saints still have a lot to do as well. And Atlanta, you know, they still have work to do and they're figuring things out as well. So if you want to look at it from that standpoint where you're, you're saying, okay, we have a chance to come into a division again next year with playoff experience going up uh, against teams who don't have their future decided and are not looking light years ahead of where the Panthers sit, I can, you know, I can get down with that as well. It's just different schools of thought. I just think the higher pick that you get in each round, the better player you have the possibility of getting. But my main thing is just trying to uh, get that quarterback, have a better positioning, like I said, mainly to even if they're picking lower, as you said, where they're not able to get maybe one of the quote-unquote marquee guys, but you do have enough bargaining chips and sitting at a better position that you can take some of those and be able to trade up and have a more attractive offer because there are going to be some teams that want to trade up high to get uh, certain players, especially with them talking about how uh, David Tepper wants Will Levis. So, I mean, we're talking at this point, Levis and Bryce Young probably battling for the number one pick. Maybe Stroud gets in there as well. So it's like, okay, are you going to try to make a pitch to the Texans or are you going to try to probably make a pitch to the team at three? perhaps two or three. So there'll be other teams that are trying to do that as well. And the better, more attractive uh, package you can put together would be more advantageous. Now, the one thing that I do feel like people will look at is whether or not this loss completely takes Steve Wilkes out of the possibility of getting this head coaching job. Now, I do feel like for a lot of people, he probably needed to make the playoffs regardless in order to get the job. There are a lot of people who will look at this, though, and say if he gets to, you know, I believe the words that Max said on the morning show were, you know, six and six. If he gets to six and six as a coach, which would mean two out of the next three in the win column for the Panthers, and he's six and six as the interim head coach, he's right now uh, sitting at four and four, or maybe he gets to six and six, that puts you in a scenario where it's a lot better and a lot more tolerable, it seems like, in order to make that happen. Yeah, we talked about this before, uh, Walker and I, and, you know, over the last 10 years, only two uh, of the 17 interim head coaches have retained a job. And so that's why I tried to prepare people to say, hey, just because you finished with a good record doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to get it as recently as last season with Rich Basashia from the Raiders, Very who true. went 7-5 and five down the stretch. That looked like a shoe-in for him to get that job, and he did not. But then look what happened to the Raiders. Didn't exactly turn out. Correct. The way, they didn't exactly turn out the way they wanted. Now I think what is working greatly in Wilkes's favor is the hometown connection. You have a chance, a rare chance, to have a head coach that is from there, went to high school there, and the hometown can really get behind. But with that said, yes, yesterday was a very tough blow uh, against him as far as getting this job, in my opinion. Uh, I think this was a game that a lot of people thought that the Panthers would win. You were, quote-unquote, uh, the favorite. And for you to lose this way at home and to be physically dominated and for your offensive philosophy to really get brought into the light. I'm not going to fully say exposed. We'll see that going forward. But for that to really be brought into the light, is, is this the future you want for your franchise ground and pound football? I think that hurt him as well because we saw how Pittsburgh was able to really stifle that offense. So that's why coming up, these last three games are imperative because of the Detroit Lions coming here 
and have a similar defensive game plan, shut down what the Panthers want to do, and we know how explosive this Lions offense could be, this game could get ugly. If he suffers through that, I think that I would be definitive and say if they lose lopsidedly to Detroit this week, I think it's going to be very difficult for him to retain the job. Well, my my whole thing has always come down to it has nothing to do about him necessarily. It has to do with about you know getting somebody in here who has control over the offense. And I always feel like it's much harder to hire an offensive coordinator in today's NFL if you don't have an offensive-minded head coach. Or because so many of these offensive-minded head coaches – are their own offensive coordinator in a way. So mm-hmm. as a result, more of them are attracted to the head job because there's only 32 of those, and that's the highest-ranking position you could be at as an NFL you know, play caller. So in, in my view, it's going to be harder to replace Ben McAdoo if Steve Wilkes is the head coach. It's going to be much easier to do so if Steve Wilkes is relegated to the defensive coordinator position if he you know, ends up trying to come back. And you can get an offensive-minded head coach in here who can revitalize what they're doing offensively. Because right now, the offensive game plan is very much one-dimensional. It's run the football or Katie bar the door. Because right now, thinking about what that Pittsburgh team did to the Panthers on Sunday, I have a lot of fears that it's probably going to look exactly the same on Saturday against Detroit. Because that's just how I feel like they put the blueprint out there for everybody else to follow. Yeah, and it's all in what you like because there are some defensive coaches that are making it work in this league. You look at Robert Sala. Sean McDermott was a defensive coach. Uh, so so there are some guys who are, uh, you know, doing the job and were defensive-minded uh, coaches in their previous stops. But the thing is, too, you run into is, and I think what could hurt Wilkes down the line, too, if you run into one of these young offensive coaches that are looked at as uh, one of the futures of the league, you know, future type of franchise coaches, you don't want to risk maybe losing them. Or if Wilkes was to retain a job, if he hires a hot shot offensive coordinator, could that end up ultimately leading to his exit because you don't want to lose that offensive coordinator to a job. And it could go both ways. I mean, we saw what happened with Kevin O'Connell going up to the Minnesota Vikings. A lot of people love Shane Steichen, but you wonder if Steichen is more a product of all the talent that's going on with Philadelphia's roster, or if he actually is, you know, a tactician and somebody who can actually, you know, scheme up something for any offense, let alone the ones that have all the weapons that the Eagles do. Yeah, and that's the thing. You have to analyze everybody. And the thing is, these guys talk. And in the inner circles, things are discussed like what you just said. You'll find out from the people who know if a guy is really like that or not. They're going to say, yeah, well, you know, he's okay, but he's really the byproduct of this because uh, that was the big thing with the Dolphins head coach. Uh, His name escapes me. Mike McDaniel. Yeah, Mike McDaniel. That's the thing with him was he got dismissed a lot by people who were like, oh, you know, Shanahan really runs the offense. How much could he really do? Because I think that hurts guys. When you come up under a great and the enemy has kind of suffered from that on top of other things as well. But a lot of people saying, well, how much is he really doing? Because it's Andy Reid, you know? So I think that's what hurts. But I think McDaniel proved that even though the Dolphins have been struggling, struggling a bit down the stretch, He's shown that he knows his stuff offensively. He has that Dolphins offense humming. He does have great weapons. But um, 
You know, so there are a lot of different scenarios as far as how the Panthers want to go about getting the next head coach and if indeed Coach Wilkes is the guy they want to go with and what will be the circumstances surrounding that as far as hires that need to be made. It is Weston Walker, Willie P in for Walker. Before we get to what's on tap and the walk-off, it's time for a fitty flag. I uh, I did want to mention the Celebration Bowl really quickly. Uh, North Carolina Central took down Deion Sanders and Jackson State in his final game at Jackson State in a thrilling game that went to, I believe, double overtime. Did you guys first off see Deion Sanders address the criticism about him leaving Jackson State for Colorado? I saw uh, mm. a highlighted video about it, but I did not get a chance to watch it, no. Okay. Um, I, I just thought the way he responded to all the criticism, I thought was, very, I guess, very mature of him. Like, he could have went very Dion and, and and make it about himself, but I don't think he did that. But, Wes, you brought up something interesting during a couple breaks. You know, he pretty much said that he's taking all of his big dogs with him, that he recruited to Jackson State to Colorado, but number one recruit that uh, Travis Hunter, who committed to Jackson State last year over uh, Florida State and some other Power 5 schools, he said not so fast, my friend. It's not a guarantee <laughs> that he's going to follow prime time to Boulder. Do you think he's going to have a harder time getting the talent that he wants in Boulder than that maybe he let on whenever he got hired and he had that initial press conference? I believe so. Let me say a couple of things real quick about that game. I watched that whole game in its entirety, and it was excellent. Mm. To those fans who gave death threats and said all types of racial epithets and things to Hayden Hagler should be ashamed of themselves. Because as an HBCU, they need to do better and set the example. Because they know that if the roles were reversed and, it, and a black kid did the same thing and dropped the pass and, and, and had to suffer through racial epithets and... Uh, you know, was getting death threats, they would be up in arms and very upset. There was no reason for them to act like that. There were a lot more reasons Jackson State lost that game than Hayden Hagler dropping a short touchdown. It was a terrible drop, sure, but that was ridiculous. Uh, one of the things that Deion Sanders said never once did I say they're going to put a tombstone with my name on it at Jackson State. <laughs> I wasn't going to die here. Y'all know that. Everything I said I would do, I did. Everything I said I wanted to happen, I tried my darnest to make happen. We've exceeded, I think, expectations in some realm, but when I open it in someone else's plan and purpose, now there's ridicule. But you forgot about my plan and God's purpose. That's where the dysfunction comes. Yeah, he needs to stop trying to bring God and everything because that's kind of what got him uh, flamed up by yeah, a lot say, of people don't, anyway. Don't, don't blaspheme, Dion. Right. But anyway, so, um, but to answer Sfitty's question, yeah, I think that is huge to me. I thought Travis Hunter was a shoe-in to go with him just like Shadour. So for Travis not to go there, I think that is showing kind of the flaws of that Colorado program for kids like a Travis Hunter that comes from warm weather states. He went down to play in Jackson uh, and kids that are big time players that are from warm weather states wanting to come to Colorado because that's a different type of code. I don't know mm -hmm. that there was anything, there is anything that Dion could have told me coming out of high school to get me to come up there and play in that code and altitude. Uh, someone keeps on asking <laughs> us about, about Max Duggan too, about quarterbacks. Is he somebody who you look at that you're, you're kind of in that area? Uh, I mean, I guess he, he seems to me like he looks like a maybe high-end second-round pick, maybe third, fourth-round type of guy. So he could be a guy in some later rounds that you could pick up. It is Weston Walker, Willie P. In for Walker, we got one more segment to go, and that's we will uh, we will encapsulate everything we've learned today with the walk-off and also tell you what's on tap. Sports Radio 97 WFNZ.
Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Willie, Wes, Woody Fitty. We think Walker is back on Wednesday. We hope we hope that uh, he's feeling better as well. And we hope that you guys are doing well listening uh, to us on not only the Weston Walker Show, which you can find the podcast wherever you get your podcast and follow them on Twitter at Wes and Walker. That's Wes A-N-D Walker on Twitter to get everything ready for that. Uh, by the way, the Myrtle Beach Bowl is on right now, mm-hmm. even though they play it in Conway, which I've not. I've it's, it's weird. The, the folks who are Coastal Carolina fans. They love saying Conway until they love saying Myrtle Beach. It's like it, they, they, they can't <laughs> they can't decide which one's better. By the way, how did UConn be good enough to get a bowl? How about that? That was, that yeah, was they're turning the corner, man. They beat um. I did the game when they played Syracuse. Um, no, 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 no. They smashed Syracuse, but they beat a Boston College. That's the game I did. That's they right. beat Boston College, man. So yeah, they're getting it together, man. Old Jim Moore got it going up there. Thirteen three. They won that game. Yeah. They also beat UMass, Liberty, FIU, Fresno State, and Central Connecticut. Yeah, man. They went from being a doormat to being a team that, you know, they're, they're a dangerous team if you, you know, sleep on them. They are proof that a women's uh, sporting uh, or, or, or <laughs> easy, yeah, that, that, easy, that women's easy. sports could fund other sports because of how popular and how much money the women's basketball program makes. Um, and, and now UConn's men's basketball, they're up to number two in the AP poll. I like though when UConn is good because when yeah, I was young, and um, uh, Randy Yetzel was taking them to the BCS Bowl, it was a lot of fun. I mean, they went out there and got their ass kicked by Oklahoma, but I like when UConn is good. Is that a fact? Is is is, U- is UConn the new? Oh, it's 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 good for college football when UConn is good. Is is that like we always say with like the Packers and the Niners? <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to go that is, far, is, is but because that's, that's how stupid you sound right now. But you know, like look, Stores Connecticut. Something. You know, look, look, Stores Connecticut can be a rowdy place to go in and try to win a bowl or try to win a, a road game when the Huskies are good. That's all I'm trying to say. You uh, you're start you're, you're uh, starting to hang around T-bone a little bit too much. Though, uh, well, I mean, Wolfpack James wants him in the ACC. See, I didn't go that far that's a little much i mean i just said i like them being good again it's time for what's on tap what's on tap brought to you by twin peaks join our e-club to stay up to date on all things twin peaks and score free stuff is at twinpeaksrestaurant.com slash peaks dash club we've got monday night football tonight we also have the hornets and the kings tonight the monday night football game is Rams and Packers. So Baker once again gets a national TV spotlight. Uh, the Rams off of that Thursday night football victory get the longest possible wait to play after playing on Thursday night and then getting the uh, mini buy and playing a Monday night game at Lambeau. Uh, Baker at Lambeau. What could go wrong? Mm, a lot could go wrong. You know, he could turn it over. I expect him to come back down to earth. I don't expect for him to have another uh, performance that gets him the offensive player of the week. Should be interesting to watch tonight with that game. And again, the Hornets taking on Sacramento. Did you know that Sacramento has lost less games due to injury than any team in the NBA? Just 15 games due to injury. They've got nobody, not a soul, listed on their injury report tonight. Wow, and this is the team that has six guys scoring in double figures right now, led by De'Aaron Fox. You know, you got some bonus, what he can do down there, the ex-Hornet Malik Monk. So, yeah, they are going to present a more than formidable challenge 
for the Hornets. We'll see whether or not uh, Terry Rozier is back. He left the game last night in the second quarter with a right hip contusion. Uh, they do not have to put out a injury report today because it is the second game of back-to-back. They don't have to do that until later on tonight. So we'll see whether or not the Hornets get uh, Terry back and also uh, their other injured players like Cody Martin, Dennis Smith Jr. at all. It is time for the walk-off. We'll give you uh, on this date in sports history with Yashua. Yeah, Willie, on this day in 1956, upon his return from Melbourne, Australia, where he led the U.S. basketball team to gold at the Olympics, Bill Russell signed his first contract with the Boston Celtics. I think the NBA has done a fantastic job so far honoring his life and legacy, and they will continue to do so throughout the remainder of this NBA season. You guys mentioned uh, Marshall playing in a bowl game. Well, on this day in 2001, Marshall quarterback Byron Leftwich, now the Bucks OC, comes back from a 38-8 halftime deficit to beat East Carolina 64-61 in double overtime in the GMAC Bowl for the highest scoring bowl game in history. And maybe that's today where our noted guy on the text line, Salty Pirate, got his nickname. And then on this day in 2010, Miracle at the New Meadowlands Part 2 happened as Philadelphia's Deshaun Jackson returned mm. a punt, 65 yards for a touchdown as time expired in the Eagles' 38-31 comeback win over the Giants. At the time, it was the only game-winning punt return touchdown in NFL history as the Eagles came back from down 31-10 to in the fourth quarter. What team this year, guys, won a game on a punt return as time expired? Wow, I don't know. I feel Wasn't like it the Cowboys? Are you serious? Yeah. New guy here even knows off the top of his head. The Patriots that's over right, your the, Jets. That's oh, right, that's yeah. right. The Patriots. That's right. Stupid. Yeah, you I, are. I tried to I tried to block that uh block that that memory out. Tried to block that memory. How'd that out. go for you? Didn't go well. Uh Blindside Chris says you gotta sell this anger, Willie. Flip some tables in that studio. That's uh, one of our best texts of the day. Uh, one of the Texans wants to know what Joe Horn did to make you so angry at his son, Wes. He didn't do anything. I'm just telling the truth about it. That's all I'm doing. People just don't like it when you bring up true facts about the people they love. And Wolfpack Phil, when did Finney graduate from UNC? Or is he a typical heel fan that likes the colors and brought a bunch of jerseys and T-shirts, never attended UNC or any other school? Look, look, just because all it takes to get into state is, is starting your John Deere tractor doesn't mean anything. But, yes, our colors are pretty. And a texter also loves your take on Jeremy Chin. You're all over it, Wes. They desperately need to turn him into TD 2.0. He is not nearly as impactful pay, playing as a true safety. I'm just saying, man, people are trying to turn him into Palomalu, and you know, I'm like, eh. Is they, Palomalu the best safety you ever seen, Wes? No, Ed Reed. Yeah, I was going to say Ed No, Reed. and Sean Taylor, too. No, but Palomalu's right there, too. Don't let me disrespect Troy. Troy was a goat, but Ed Reed and Sean Taylor, man. You watch Charles, uh, Charles Woodson, right? Charles Woodson for sure too. I, I think of Charles always as a corner, but yeah. I know in his latter years as a as a safety in Green Bay, he was spectacular. Rod too. Woodson was also big. Yeah, too. yeah, making that switch. I mean, Ronnie Lott. There's so many great ones, but for my money, I say goat safety is Ed Reed, best ball hawk I've ever seen. Nobody could top the celebration though of Merton Hanks. Oh, come on, now Ooh. Niner gang all day, Merton Hanks, baby, 36 in that middle. Come yeah, on now. Had the longest neck of anybody oh. I've ever seen. Even Davis Mills. Even longer. <laughs> uh, also, Biggie Smalls is making fun of how I completely screwed up square peg in a round hole, and I uh, 
It's okay. It's all good. Yeah. Uh, Jackson also wants to shout out Brian Dawkins. Now we're just naming all these. Oh, B Dawg? Yeah. I mean, it's so many. God, I hated him so much. <laughs> that doggone, and he didn't curse either, Fitty. Exactly. So that doggone Fitty. Uh, final take time. <laughs> Go ahead, uh, Fitty Marlowe. Uh, really hope Saturday was the win that we think it is. Carolina's got a chance to get to 9-4 and four before Christmas, and then they have a semi-favorable schedule in ACC play before that first matchup with Duke with only the game they should lose coming to Virginia. So hopefully that was the win that gets this team starting to play like the preseason number one team they were at the beginning of the year. Uh, my final take, you know, my Deeks just went up and disappointed at Rutgers. I was I very that. frustrated by that. Yeah, very, very, very tough game. Can and get I, us to 1,000 followers on Twitter, Wesson Walker, at Wesson Walker, at us. I still am going to Panther up this weekend, but Steve Wilkes is on notice after this week. If they don't get to the playoffs, I want some. I want that, that young, acne-filled, <laughs> offensive assistant. I know why he's got to have acne, but I just I need I need the Mike McDaniel 2.0. Yeah. I need that guy to come in here and revitalize his offense and get a new quarterback in here. I love what Steve Wilkes has done. It's an incredible, amazing story. I don't know though he has the back of the players, but right now, what happened on Sunday just did not sit well with me with the way that they got completely out-schemed, out-game-planned, and out-toughed as a football team. Mm. Thanks to you, Fitty. Thanks to you, Wes. Thanks to you. And we will talk Willie to you P. guys tomorrow on Wes and Walker. Willie P. in for Walker. Cal Bailey is next on Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. Mm.